0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing and more. It was an interesting overnight. Let's put this into perspective. Monday, we saw a big down day. 767 points at one point in time, I believe is the right number. Roughly 3%. Then Tuesday, we get a bit of a rebound. And Wednesday, we get a little bit of an overnight situation from Tuesday that carried over into the open on Wednesday. And overnight, it looks like the world decided, you know what the Fed did last week? They cut rates once, and they said it was a mid-policy update. What if they have to lower rates again? We're going to go in and cut rates, and we're going to beat them to the punch. So you saw three major countries cut rates. I'd say two major countries and one minor country, but neither here nor there. Um... Wow, I'm just reading a headline that's coming across. and just seems like now is not the right time for this to happen. Trump administration is going to unveil a rule that bans equipment or services purchases from Huawei. Seems like Huawei is the jewel of China, so to speak, as far as tech companies go. Seems like now is not the time for that. But who am I? Who am I to say that, right? Go with it, Rob. Go with it. So overnight, we saw central banks cut interest rates. You saw China continue to tinker with their currency valuation and when do they buy it back, when do they support it. Very dangerous game because the longer you support it, the more you set it up for a, uh, a flood of people who want out when the gates open back up, when you throw the gates up. So we're seeing the markets down, but not as bad as they have been at one point this morning. We're still seeing the month of August is volatile. Markets pulled back anywhere from three to five percent as of the start of the day. Ten-year um, Treasury—it's a bit of an indicator of panic. It's a bit of an indicator of volatility. As is gold. Gold up twenty-eight bucks today, sitting at fifteen twelve, essentially a six-year high. The VIX started really volatile today, but it's kind of cooled down. And the ten-year Treasury at one point in time was one five nine five. And now it's at 163, so it's kind of calmed down. Cooler heads are prevailing, so to speak. Stocks are dropping after growth woes spur global rate cuts. It's expected the Federal Reserve will likely cut rates another 100 basis points now, whereas at the end of the last week, we were talking maybe 50 more basis points. And now we're talking they could do 50 in between meetings potentially. That's how freaked out the market is. Am I freaked out? Nah, not so much. So some of the things that I'm looking for, I think the market's vulnerable right now. I can admit that. So what could give me some some hope? First and foremost, I think if the market were to end exactly where it is right now, it's been a damn good year. I'd take that cup of coffee and a donut, and I'd call it a day. So we've had a big move. We were overbought two weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we are at all-time highs. And we were doing, happy days are here again, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And now we're like, oh no. Oh no, it could be a 10% correction. So what am I looking for? Is to go from overbought to oversold would be a good thing. It's called a washout. I like it. Um, It gives people time to digest. It gives people time to become a little bit more cautious. Next I'd be looking at how oversold are we uh we're not extremely oversold <laughs> in any way shape or form so we haven't hit that washout like i said and we kind of need to um when we start going man we're up 25 percent for the year is overbought to man we just lost 15 20 pretty fast that's oversold also we just came out of a quarter where earnings were pretty good now again earnings are bogus Companies start off by underpromising, and then when things go bad, they kind of cut their numbers, and they weeks later, they beat their numbers. So you can look at the earnings and go, it was a pretty good quarter. Depends on where we started versus where we finished or versus when we cut versus where we finished. This all adds up to even more of what am I looking for. I'd like to see some companies come out and do a mea culpa and say, this tri- trade war is killing us. We're lowering our numbers. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see analysts say, you know what? Realistically, there's a trade war going on and there's going to be some shrapnel damage, but we haven't seen that yet. So in the last hour, markets have stabilized a lot on interest rates, a lot on the fix and volatility and panic. Where do we go from here? No clue. I would say that the line's been drawn pretty tight in the sand as far as trade war issues. The Trump administration seems to double down. Now they're tripling down by banning any sales and services with Huawei. That's just an insult to China. It's a bad way to negotiate. And I'll be honest with you, I think the tariffs have been a bad way to negotiate. With your kid, you know, do you say, if you don't mow the yard, I'm going to take your phone? Or do you say, we all need to pitch in here, otherwise we're going to lose some of the things that we take for granted? I don't know. Is there a right way or a wrong way? I kind of feel like taking away their phone is is kind of a jerk move. So, Disney Plus analysts are saying a lot of business is going to come from Netflix's subscriber base. And I, I don't doubt it. Uh, And Disney had a pretty rotten quarter. They're blaming Dark Phoenix, which, I don't know. Sophie Turner, I hated her on Game of Thrones. Hated her. Spoiler alert, Rob hated her. Spoiler alert, she makes it the final episode. So, I don't like her as an Avenger. I don't like her as, uh, I don't like it. Disney saying they lost money. How much did Dark Phoenix make for Disney? Worldwide box office, $252 million. And that's a bomb. Oh, I feel like... I, real feel, I kind of feel bad for Sophie Turner. Because of Game, Thron, Game of Thrones ending? No. Do I feel bad for her because uh, the X-Men movie that she was starring in is the lowest grossing ever for a Marvel movie? I think it's a Marvel kind of thing. No. I feel bad for her because she married Joe Jonas. I'll be here all day. Don't forget to try the veal. Mmm, yummy. So, Dark Phoenix is about a Marvel character, Jean Grey, of X-Men but was a Fox-produced film, Spider-Man Homecoming in 2017, and Spider-Man Far From Home, were Sony produced films about a Marvel character. So it seems like Fox can't do it, but Sony can. That's not good for Disney. It just bought Fox, right? Disney rules the weekends. 38 of the last 52 weekends has had a Disney film number one. And somehow we're talking about Dark Phoenix being the loser loser. Interesting, right? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black's show, newfocusfinancial.com. And at the Big Money Show seminar, coming up right around the corner. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to talk a little bit about this market action. It has been a volatile ride, Chad. I started off by saying that... In the last 20 years, any time there's been a 3% correction, it's led to a 10% correction 96% of the time. And we got that 3% pullback on Monday. Are we headed for a correction, or am I leading you and baiting you with a question?
1: Well, it's it's so funny, because you look at the, the market in terms of how, how do people perceive where we are. Because okay. you get to the first of the year, and the entire market resets. You know, what's the return yep. for the year so far? Not thinking about the fact that from September to the end of the year, it was a you know, pretty decent correction, almost 19.5% by Christmas Eve. So when you look back at the stock market one year from today, you've got the S&P 500 flat. You've got emerging markets down 11%. You've got small cap value down 12% over the last 12 months. So you know the market's really kind of having a problem getting past really the highs that we saw in the beginning of 2018, and it makes sense because right now we're looking at a blended revenue decline in the, uh, earnings decline in the S P 500 across if you blend all 11 sectors together of about negative one percent, yet earning revenue growth of around four percent. So it's somewhat flat. And that's kind of what the market's done in the last 12 months, which is okay because we've had this enormous run-up since 2009. And um, there'll be some movement at some point on the trade issues, but we're seeing global slowdown. What was interesting on uh, the previous week is that you had a little bit better performance out of international uh, than U.S. large cap because they're already priced for disaster. So, like you said, get your shopping list ready. And a lot of the stuff that's getting knocked off the real highs is the stuff that has a high PE ratios, where some small cap values, some small cap growth, and some emerging markets look really cheap for the next five or 10 years right now.
0: Interesting stuff. Um, One of the things that I've thrown out there is the 10-year treasury has dropped below 1.6%. Now, For 20 years, I've had a thesis on this show that the bond market's smarter than the stock market. Stock market's irrational. It moves up. It moves down. It looks six months into the future. It's kind of like that gypsy uh, fortune teller. Whereas the bond market's kind of like, there's a problem, and it's it's coming. Do you think the bond market's telling us something's coming that's bad, or could this just be a fake-out?
1: Well, I think that there's so much central bank involvement right now. Bond traders are like, well, rates are going to get lowered, so we, we better play. Um, so I, I don't know. That's what I used to think all the time that bond traders were a lot smarter than stock traders. But now we're sub two percent on the ten year Treasury. So who knows, <laughs> right? Um, and your Treasury I just one to six today. I know it's insane. It's and in, so I just want to look out. Okay, I'm not investing for the next three months, six months, twelve months, even three years. I'm investing for ten, fifteen, twenty years down the road. And I would much rather own stocks that have 2% yield on dividends than I would a 10-year treasury that pays me 1.6% when inflation is running higher than that.
0: Have you saved enough emergency money or cash on the sidelines that you're not stressed and that you could put it into the market? And do you think the average investor has enough emergency cash as well as cash on the sidelines to take advantage of of dramatic pullbacks? And again, I'm not saying we're going to be in one. It's too early to tell. It's too early to tell, actually, until you're in one. Uh, but it's yeah. certainly setting up as you know, August and September are kind of dull months that lead to big pullbacks.
1: Well, yeah. And so, first of all, separate your emergency cash from your portfolio cash and bonds. So, average family needs six to 12 months' worth of expenses in cash. The average retiree needs three years' worth of portfolio draws in cash. So, that is for spending um, and to get through tough market situations. Then you've got your portfolio, and you have bonds and cash in it, typically. And so when you have a market correction of 10%, a lot of people want to, oh, gosh, this is going to get really bad. I better sell even more. Instead, you should be rebalancing and buying the first 10%. If it dips farther, buy again, because you're setting yourself up for the next decade, not for the next, like I said, three to six months, three years. It's the long-term you know, asset allocation and rebalancing that's going to do really well. So you know, even in my 401k, Rob, I have about 15% in bonds. Um, no, they're not just boring government bonds. There's some high yield and some unconstrained in there. And I just hated them at the beginning of the year. And now they're up a large amount. So if the market corrects, I actually have something that I can sell to rebalance and buy stocks. So even though I'm almost 45, I owned a little bit of bonds in my 401k and I hated it at the beginning of the year. I'm like, what am I doing in these things? And, you know, well, this is the reason. If you look at balanced portfolios over 10, 15-year periods through multiple market cycles, the difference in rate of return between 100% equities and and those balanced portfolios isn't that large. And so it just gives you some fuel to be able to, to, you know, some assets to be able to sell and take advantage of market corrections.
0: As I do with my typical Tuesday guest, talking about the markets, I say, here's a softball question. What do you want to talk about to finish off this interview? What are you looking at? What are you worried about? What are you thinking about? What's on your mind, Chad?
1: Well, so we, we still have, if you look, you know, a, a two-year period in the market, the market's the stocks are still relatively in good shape compared to where they were, say, five, ten years ago. So it's still a good, even though the market's only down a few percentage points, it's still a good time to reassess where you are. What is your portfolio doing versus your risk tolerance? Are you too overweight in, in stuff like, you know, large-cap, uh, high P.E. ratio stocks and you're missing some of the stuff that still looks relatively cheap, now's a good time to assess that versus you know, later either when the market shoots past its highs or goes into full correction mode and then you're dealing with your emotions. So get on top of it now. Do a portfolio review and reassess everything.
0: Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He'll also be at the Money Show next week talking about income and retirement. You can learn more by going to newfocusfinancial.com, hit on the events. There's some good downloadables tied towards that event, especially the uh, PDF tied towards income and retirement. Um, This is an interesting market. I, I highly suggest that you stay tuned and pay attention to it. In large part, uh, we don't go through a lot of corrections. We don't feel a lot of the drama. It's been nine up years. We forget that there was a 19.5% correction at the end of last year. And now that we're down 5% for the week, it feels like the roller coaster's going up. It's going up, 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 up. And you can start to feel your belly a little bit, uh, start to lose a little bit of its, its, its breakfast, so to speak. Um, again, nothing to concern about if you're in a long-term patient investor. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I just pulled in CFP Chad Burton to kind of throw out some thoughts on... Kind of what I would refer to as correction mode. Three main stock indices fell sharply as falling U.S. Treasury yields and interest rate cuts in Thailand, India, and New Zealand renewed global growth worries. When the Fed only cut interest rates once and they basically said it's a mid not a midterm, excuse me, a mid-policy adjustment, it kind of brings up question mark, question mark, question mark. So if you're wise and you're another country, you're like, well, we don't know what they're going to do. So to stave off any possible economic ramifications to us, we're going to cut our interest rates. Interesting. So I want to be honest and say the worst still could yet to become. The worst still is yet to come. Could yet come. I don't want to say it will because I don't know. But Monday, we got a 767 point drumming and that just it felt like it, right? Tuesday, we got a nice rebound. Then, today we get a situation where the markets say, we're blowing off some steam again. Now, typically, when things fall 3% in one day, like they did on Monday, it, it's, it invites a scenario where a broker, a financial planner, an insurance agent will call their clients and say, I just want to talk to you about like how can we protect your wealth. I want to talk to you about things that we can do to do transactions to make me money. Oops, and turn the letter down. I want to talk about protecting your wealth. So you, Volatility creates phone calls. New Focus Financial has a slew of clients. Most of them have been through recessions. Most of them have been through corrections. Most of them are pretty well trained, like, this is normal. But sometimes we're, you're coming to your first rodeo and you're like, whoa, I just put money in the market for the first time and I'm getting obliterated. Capital O. So they inv- they call. That's So with the financial planner, the financial advisor, starts talking to clients more and more and more when things get volatile. So... The S&P 500 dropped 3% or more in one day earlier this week. It's been up six months later 96% of the time since 2009. So I just saw a stat that when the uh, S&P 500 drops 3% on one day, it tends to lead to a 10% correction 96% of the time. But it also tends to lead to the market being up 96% of the time six months from now. That's pretty freaking freaky. You ever been with someone who was like can only put a needle through their arms and show you fake blood pouring out of their arms. And you're like, gross. And they're just like, it's just a trick. It's just a trick. They're, they're a carnival freak. They're a geek, so to speak. Uh, long story short, this doesn't feel great. From an equity sentiment, uh, from the equity point of view, sentiment has dramatically deteriorated. And it's weakening. This is starting to look like something might be bad with a margin call or a company that's overleveraged. Now, we know that our banks have gone through their stress tests, so they shouldn't be over leveraged. Maybe there's an outlier out there. But this is what it kind of felt like in 2008 with Lehman Brothers, where it goes down so fast, it's tough for companies to say, here's, here's how to protect ourselves. Now, again, I'm not pulling a chicken little on you. It's not my nature. I am saying I think Trump is wrong on a trade deal with China, and I think it's in everyone's best interest to be grown-ups and not to draw a line in the sand. We've started wars before, world wars, because countries have drawn lines in the sand. When a leader gets assassinated in a small country by a crazy from another small country, and Russia says, we got countries back. And Germany says, we got the other countries back. A line gets drawn and suddenly you're drawn into World War I. Same thing happened in World War II. When lines get drawn, you get drawn into conflicts you don't want. I think Trump is getting drawn into a conflict he doesn't want with China. Keep in mind, we learned that his staff said last week they weren't thrilled with him going off the reservation. Can I, am I allowed to say that anymore? He went off script. And even though they said, don't do tariffs on China, he did tariffs on China. Even though he gave his word to China back at the end of June at the G20 meeting, no more new tariffs. And they gave their word, no more new tariffs. And then just to double down, he was like, China is also a currency manipulator. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. And it's drawn a line in the sand. They don't want to be called a currency manipulator. And that's a problem. So they didn't want more tariffs because now they have to respond in some way, shape, or form. They did with cutting agricultural orders from the United States. Trump's wrong on asserting that China is driving the, the, the yuan lower after it fell beyond the $7 level on Monday. Um, a sudden sharp weakening of the yuan did, did follow Trump's announcement last week. The U.S. will impose a 10% tariff on $300 billion of goods from China. There's nothing left to tariff now. We've covered it all. And China, being, I'm not going to say a good citizen, but being wise, they've yet to say Apple, get out of our country. They know that Apple have jobs there and manufacturing plants, and they know that for the long term, that's a good relationship. So fortunately, they haven't pulled a Trump and in, in, you know, started throwing baby out with bathwater. Now, Chinese authorities mainly stopped supporting the law on Monday, which is far different from pushing it down. The People's Bank of China tightened the liquidity in the domestic money market, which acts to support its currency So we can't really say they're a complete currency manipulator, but there's no doubt that countries around the world are doing what they can to try to position themselves for a worst-case scenario trade or with the United States and China that spills into other countries. So I feel that a lot of pride is kind of leading to where we are, and I don't think Fed's going to get the boost from the economy that he wants for 2020 unless a deal with China gets done. That's going to be the interesting part of it. Today, the president's traveling to El Paso and Dayton, Ohio to deal with the ramifications of mass shootings which are problematic in the united states to the level that three countries have now put us on a do not travel to the united states list we see that all the time where uh maybe people are getting raped or drugged or killed by toxic alcohol at resorts in mexico and we flat out go don't travel to mexico we do it with african nations that that don't have peace they don't have stable governments don't travel there it's weird to think that they're doing it to us right now. It shows you how how low we've gone or how far we haven't gone. So Disney Plus is something I want to talk a little bit about. They kind of showed us last night what they're going to do. And I really think it's going to be a problem for Netflix. Because not only are they are going to be the first out of the gate with a new service. It's going to be Disney. It's going to be Pixar. It's going to be Marvel. It's going to be Star Wars. It's going to be National Geographic. It looks very, very much so like... Um, a family-friendly streaming service. The National Geographic thrown in. They're also going to throw in some assets from 21st Century Fox. To me, $12.99, not only you get all of that, but you get ESPN Plus, and you get an ad-supported version of Hulu, which is basically ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox. Okay, yeah, you're probably missing some channels in there. Don't know if you're going to get the CNBC or Bloomberg. Don't know. But the programming highlights are pretty stunning. And the fact that you get Hulu with ads... That's something Netflix doesn't have. And the fact that you're getting all the quality of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic for everything that Netflix is trying to be, and they're awesome at comedy specials. They're awesome at documentaries. They're awesome. They're pretty good at TV shows. Some of the kids' TV programming, it's it's just miserable. Some of their programming seems like it could have gone through one more cycle of rewrites or, how shall we say, budget improvements. But that Hulu angle is going to be pretty powerful. So on weakness of Disney, I'm buying. If it goes down 10%, I'll buy a little bit. If it goes down 20%, I'll buy a heck of a lot. So now they're not the only one coming out with services. HBO Max is going to be coming. But Disney Plus is a step closer. And again, I really feel like who uh, Google TV is a pretty good product. Or YouTube TV is a pretty good product for 50 bucks a month. Um, but I think... Twelve ninety nine a month is a game changer. I don't know. Again, like I said, there's some channel issues that I don't know. And maybe there's some bundles that Disney will be able to put together that I haven't seen yet. But HBO Max is cute. Kind of like Netflix is cute at this point in time. Now, HBO has got some stuff that Netflix doesn't have, like Warner Brothers, DC Entertainment, TBS, TNT, CNN. HBO Max will have original series and movies, some of which may tie into Warner Media titles off the platform, like Dune Sisterhood. Dune is one of those Great books. It's never worked in movies or TV shows. HBO Max will also have some older Warner Brothers stuff like The Fresh Prince Bel Air and Friends. Uh, <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. <sighs> I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Let me finish some notes right here. Um, market corrections are kind of odd. They're not something we get ever get used to. It's like roller coasters. I love roller coasters. Did as a kid, do as an adult. But that moment when you get on it, you're like, whoa, why did I sign up for this? Every now and then there's news stories, like the Disney Plus, that we can kind of weave into an uncomfortable market. There's stories like Tesla, and I I honestly feel like I just... People used to ask me about Tesla, and those same people that used to ask me about Tesla now are asking me about Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat is a story that's in the news today, because they've got a relationship with Subway. And trust me, if you're a Beyond Meat fan, you're like, did you see the story about Beyond Meat making a deal with, with... you eat subway? And yes, it is interesting. Um, especially since beyond meat has kind of been this this burger patty, which last time I checked subway wasn't really doing the burger patties, but they've played with chicken before unsuccessfully, it should be noted. Um, so it it invites the question of like is now the time to be doing story stocks? or is now the time to be batting it down the hatches, or at least starting to talk about it because, if it's not this time, it's, a, it's just around the corner, of the next recession. There's always going to be pullbacks, and it's normal and it's healthy. You just have to be kind of ready for it. And like I said, with roller coasters, you're never quite ready for it. Are you with me? So Tesla receives a cease and desist letter from the U.S. agency over Model 3 safety claims. The NHTSA sends Tesla a cease and desist letter saying it's misleading what you're sending out as far as information goes. And Tesla says, "Well, we've actually looked at some public records, and we are the safest vehicle, the Model 3. Who's right? I don't care. I don't care. I, I, I know that it's a problem. I just don't care. I just I, I'm saying so. I don't play with Tesla. If my kids uh, rat on each other, Dad, Cameron said a dirty word. I go. I put a hot knife on rats' tongues. I don't care about the dirty words. So I, I care about brothers ratting each other out um, it, it, it's i don't I don't want that fight it's it's I'm okay with it I don't want that fight so Tesla what they're going through is something I don't want anything to do with now Netflix is the other story stock of the day, and they fired the first shot in the streaming war between entertainment giants. I think it looks like a pretty good value proposition from what I'm seeing right now as a dad and my dad and my dad's dad and we've all gone through. Buying kids' goods. Do you remember buying Cinderella on VHS? Cinderella hasn't been in theaters in 30 years. Now she's coming out on VHS. For a limited time, Disney is going to unlock her from the, the princess fault. And then it was VHS and DVD and laser and Blu-ray. You've never seen Cinderella quite look like this before on Blu-ray. With added features by 100-year-old animators who barely have enough oxygen to breathe. But those are the stories today. Oh, and then there's—is gold ready to shine? Gold prices are flat after hitting six-year highs on escalating U.S.-China trade war. Here's the problem I have with gold: gold does well when the market goes crazy. You know, you have that crazy hair sometimes after having a passionate session with your love loved one. We have crazy hair after going for a long run, and you don't realize that like your head is sweating profusely. And then you just sit down and watch a little TV, and you rub your hands through your hair, and you look in the mirror, and you're like, "Oh, ah, I got crazy hair." Gold tends to do well during crazy. But gold doesn't really have an angle for me during non crazy. And the market's non crazy most of the time. Gold doesn't have a job. Gold is a play on jewelry, largely tied towards India as the biggest country consumer of gold is jewelry. China as well. It's just not my play. When Chris Columbus was was hanging around, he's probably at a tavern, and the queen comes, Chris, please go to the new world and get me some gold. Yeah, gold was kind of like a thing. In this day and age, the queen would come up to Chris Columbus and say, Please get a new world to give me an iPhone. Things have changed in the world of trade. We used to like spices. I'd like some pepper, Chris. Gold is in that era of pepper as kind of fun and sexy and exciting. I'm not saying don't own it. I'm going to tell you I'm not going to own any of it. And again, consult a burger advisor for taking action on anything here. Be prudent, be cautious. You're listening to a financial show that doesn't know you. The 10-year German boond, which is... German for bond fell to a negative 0.6%, which is a record low. You lose money by saving money in Germany. What? Policymakers are struggling to figure out how do we stop a U.S. trade war with China from bleeding into world economies. U.S. needs to be careful because we sell a lot of goods to the world and they like us, but people aren't loyal to Prell shampoo or Colgate uh, toothpaste. They'll change. And this is China's actual opportunity to kind of steal some of the us's thunder i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more find me online at rob black show twitter rob black show youtube rob black show three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency
1: knew all the government's dirty secrets he
0: was one of the most respected generals
1: in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells